1: and girls, ladies and gents, welcome to another episode of Stadium of and Gail. It's your favorite Uncle Silk. It's Dan. And Delatory. Same corner, same time. Beautiful morning in
2: Sunshine State, man. How y'all boys feeling? Y'all good? Um, I've never been better, to be honest with you. I had, I had myself a, a great weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, downtown St. Pete. Uh, I went to a great new restaurant Friday here in Tampa called Pont Modern American. If you live here, go check it out. Uh, but uh, great weekend, great vibes. I have a cold front coming in on Wednesday. Uh, So it's going to be chilly Very nice. 1-3.
3: We had a crazy thunderstorm, like lightning that woke me up last night. So Mm. not beautiful up here. Uh, Maybe that's the storm that's bringing it in. Uh, Baseball all weekend for me. Bachelor party, leaving Wednesday, leaving Thursday, leaving Thursday. So... Trying to stay mentally checked in these next 72 hours.
2: Yeah, Silk, and uh, I got the invite uh, Saturday night. Silk, I think you were already asleep. I got an invite? Yeah. Uh, threw it out there. Yeah, he threw it out there. So um, What the
1: hell? I didn't see it, man. That's what I did learn about uh, the the crew on this show. That I'm the old guy for sure, man. I was knocked out. I woke up to a bunch of texts from y'all uh, hanging out with, with celebs and all type of stuff, man. I was like, yo, what did I miss last night? I didn't see the invite, though. Um, Actually, what are you going to, Tennessee? Nashville, yeah. So I may be going to Tennessee. Kids spring break start Friday. I think we're going to go up to Gatlinburg,
3: possibly. Where's Um, that in relation, Dan?
2: It's about three hours. It's on on the East Coast right there on the corner of North Carolina, South Carolina, Tennessee right there. Gatlinburg's fun. Pigeon Forge is nearby. Uh, Elite tourism vibes.
1: Pigeon Forge is, I think, is where we may stay. And then Gatlinburg is on the to-do list. I'm still still playing about you. Uh, I'll, let, I'll know what the wife says uh, by the time she gets home from work. But I appreciate the invite. I'm going to have to pull up, bro. <laughs> uh, Only three some, hours per day. You can get
2: yourself some moonshine there in Gatlinburg. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with it.
1: Any yeah. Tennessee listeners, man, give me the deets. I'll let your boy. I may be in time.
2: Yeah, Tennessee Mike. Hook him up. Um, all right, boys, we got, a, we got a great show today. We got a lot going on. We've got some coaches coming to staff big pause there uh, we have a coach leaving while well, uh, an assistant uh, staffer leaving I uh, got a lot with spring practice uh, we've got Austin Armstrong speaking to the staff or speaking to the media for the first time uh, and then we have Florida Gators legend from the 96 or 95 uh, national championship run uh, former all-american uh, played in the NFL for a number of years and father of Florida Gators tight end Jonathan Odom, Jason Odom joining us. And then we've got a lot of recruiting updates and everything else uh, for this week. So should be a content filled show. But as always, we do want to thank our presenting sponsor, Alan Horn with State Farm Insurance there near Valdosta. But if you're in Florida, Georgia, Tennessee, or Alabama, visit him at alanhorninsurance.com. We're giving him a Give him a call, 706-692-2888 for all of your insurance needs. Again, Alan Horn with State Farm Insurance, 706-692-2888. On Tuesday, uh, or was it Monday after we recorded, the Gators announced officially uh, that defensive quality control analyst Russ Callaway would be promoted to the tight end coach position. So Nick, give us the uh, rundown on Russ Calloway. Um, so I think it makes sense. Um, I think we,
3: we said, and we kind of agreed Billy's not going to make a hire just to make one for spring. And then it's a bad fit and you have to figure something out, you know, in, in a month. So Russ um, has a lot of experience in the NFL was the offensive coordinator at Sanford had some great offenses there um, to me though, as we've said so many times on the show, what are you? How, what, what? What's your tight end coaching doing? Uh, doing on the field? I think that that guy needs to be a, an ace recruiter, and I don't know that Russ is. Uh, don't know that he isn't, but I think that's right. where I'll be watching to see uh, when kids start visiting. Hey, oh, loved loved uh, Russ. Love Coach Calloway. Um, I
1: also seen. On, on, I didn't mean, coach. Go ahead. Also seen on his resume, uh, I can't remember which article it was, but he did have a recruiting coordinator on his resume. And usually when you see that on the resume, you're highly thought of as a recruiter at your previous gig. Um, So I thought that was interesting. We'll see how it relates to uh, South Florida, Florida recruiting, Mm -hmm. Southeast. But he does have some uh, recruiting, just gems on on his resume that, that, that that you should like.
2: Yeah, Uh, to give you a brief rundown on him, uh, graduated from Valdosta State. He was a quarterback there. He joined. uh, He was a defensive analyst at Nick Saban's staff at Alabama, where they won back-to-back BCS national championships. Uh, He also assisted Kirby Smart uh, with the linebackers on that team. Uh, Then he went to Murray State, spent two seasons there uh, where he worked with wide receivers and Silky mentioned was the recruiting coordinator there. Uh, Then spent five seasons at Samford where he was the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach. Um, He was wide receivers coach from 15 to 16 and then 17 to 19 served as offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach. Uh, Spent the 2020 season as an offensive analyst at LSU. Uh, was an offensive analyst with the New York Giants in 2021 uh, and then obviously served on the defensive side of the ball in 2022. And we've talked about Billy Napier often hires people that serve that were previously on the offensive side of the ball, wide receivers, coach, offense coordinator, whatever it might be to be on the defensive side of the bar, to be on the opposite side of the ball uh, to help them prepare and game plan, things of that nature. So we see the promotion of Russ Calloway into that tight end coach position. So, uh, again, don't know a ton about his recruiting, especially at this level, uh, but certainly comes with a, a solid resume of a tight ends coach. Uh, with that being said, Nick, we do you are like, Do you guys like of-
1: the hire? Do you like the hire? What's your opinion on it, Nick?
2: I think
3: fans were, like, mad about it, but what what was the sexy name out there? Like, what name – no, Jawan Sider, Sider wasn't coming to coach tight end. So, like, what name were, was going to get, like, the fans pumped? So Tim I don't Brewster.
1: Have... It's a name they know. <laughs> fans like Maybe. names they know. So, Tim Brewster, he, even though he's washed, people would have like, liked the name. Like, we love when Tim got hired, but we didn't really see the fruits of that labor. Uh, it's just a retreaded name that people are familiar with. Right. Uh, I do like his resume. He's a former OC. He's more than qualified, in my opinion, as far as coaching the tight end position. Like you said, Nick, you need a guy that's going to – it's not a whole lot he's going to do at practice, so you need an ace recruiter. So we'll see what his recruiting looks like, but I think he's more than qualified to coach the position of tight ends, and I don't know any sexy tight end hires out there.
2: Well, and you, you have to think about the, the position as well, right? I mean, how many tight end coaches are there for, you know, years or, you know, decades even, right? I mean, there's a few, right, right? like Tim Brewster's a name – Uh, that you you've heard of that's been in that role for for a long time but you know oftentimes the you're going to be a tight end coach first and you know there's just not a lot to do especially in this offense and a lot of times they make a move right to either running back coach or wide receiver they want to move up to offensive coordinator whatever it might be but you know I think on the offensive side of the ball your your gateway into coaching is often at that tight end position so when you look at being an offensive coordinator, you look at working under Nick Saban and Kirby Smart and working, you know, with uh, Ed Orgeron, right? Then you think of the New York Giants and then you think of, you know, the coaching staff that he worked with at Florida last year, you start to look at the pedigree and you're like, that makes sense, right? So maybe it's not the sexiest hire, but maybe it's the hire that makes the most sense. And you have somebody that's familiar, doesn't need to learn new terms, doesn't going to come in with a, a completely different, you know, way of doing things that, it, it makes sense. Is it the sexiest name? No, but I don't know how many sexy tight end coaches there are out there. Uh, and time will tell with
3: recruiting. Um, right. But the only thing I would be maybe cautious of or, or that I thought of is how long does he want to stay in college? When you see how much time he's spent in the NFL, is, is he a guy that wants to stay here and move up? You know, if, if Jabbar Jaluk goes somewhere, is, does he want to move up and go to running back or receiver mm-hmm. or something like that? Or is he trying to have, a good year in twenty three, and then head back to the league. Well, I, I mean, mean he was only
1: in the league for
2: a year, right?
1: Two. I think he has a couple a couple Two. NFL teams on his resume. I believe okay.
2: so. I thought I, I thought it was just the one with the Giants. But regardless, you know, I think it's a it's a good opportunity. And you know, if he's a guy that does well enough this year to get poached by an NFL staff, like you have to assume that he probably did a pretty good job, right? I mean, that's an assumption, right? Yeah. Um, But you have to assume that there's probably some progress that was made, uh, and that means that somebody at the highest level of football, where I think almost everybody aspires to be, uh, thinks that you're talented enough to coach them. Already. We'll see. Um, Wide receivers, Coach Nick, any update there? I know towards uh, the beginning of last week, we thought we were narrowed in, uh, but uh, still no word.
3: Yeah. Uh, still no word. Uh, David Decker is, uh, has been leading the group. He is a graduate assistant, um, played at UL, not for Billy, but played at UL then was a GA for Billy at UL and came over um, huge opportunity for him. Like I think 26, 25 young guy. Um, and getting a chance to lead uh, a, the Florida Gators wide receivers for an entire spring or until they, they hire someone. I think uh, with, no practice this week and with the players, uh, out on spring break opportunity for, for more interviews and and to figure it out. Um, I I don't know that it's been as big of a detriment as I thought though. Um, Decker's running guys through stuff. Um, and I don't think coaches are going out to recruit right now. So you're not missing that 10th coach to go out and, and go see kids. You're bringing kids in. So, um, I would like for them to hire someone, so I don't have to keep calling people. That'd be great. Maybe do it while I'm in Nashville.
2: So, so Billy, when you're you're listening to this show, probably now, you might be one of the the Man people that life. are watching. Just uh, get that hire done before Nick uh, boards his plane on uh, Thursday morning. Oh no,
3: after that's fine. I'm a, I'm PCO or, baby. Yeah.
2: pass that responsibility off. Um, But with that being said, uh, it was also announced that Jamar Chaney, friend of the program here, uh, who has been as a part of two iterations of the Florida Gators coaching staff uh, as an analyst, um, it has been announced that he's going to be the linebackers coach at Western Kentucky University. So obviously a a big loss in terms of name, um, a guy that got along very well with recruits really did a a great job down in, in silk's neck of the woods there in the five, six, one, but uh, it can't be said enough that Jamar Chaney did an incredible job at the university of Florida, but you know, this gives him an opportunity to, uh, to begin his coaching career. So.
1: What is the word with you shout out to my man, Jamar Chaney? Absolutely. Congratulations. Uh, Send him a lot of love on Twitter and also text DMS, all of that, man. Uh, Just a great guy. Known him for two different uh, staffs, two different uh, regimes. But it's just, some people were saying, they, I mean, a lot of people, we all thought that he wasn't uh, ready or, or just personally wasn't ready to jump on as, as an on-the-field coach. So that kind of took me by surprise that they took an on-the-field job. But a guy that absolutely deserved it. Um I think he's going to be in the SEC uh, at, or a bigger Power 5 program without if not in a year two years at tops man he's just future's bright for him a uh, very good recruiter um so just blessings man you yeah and it out there
3: there was just there was just no way to get him an on-field job unless you fired bateman and, and i would argue that maybe bateman is not a great recruiter but amari bernie and ventrell played better than they had in the previous five years at florida i think he's X's nose development scheme, great for that linebacker room. So he wasn't going anywhere, um, and there was just no spot for him. So uh, I think it is a loss. Uh, Every single defensive player, not even like just linebackers, leaving campus from a visit, always mentioned Chaney. um, So best of luck to him. And uh, the Hilltoppers.
1: Hilltoppers. Shout to the Hilltoppers.
3: Yeah, the
2: big loss.
1: Go ahead. Go ahead, ahead. ahead, Nick.
2: I was just going to say big loss, you know, an unfortunate loss. You hope you can keep him around forever. You know, Nick said that you can't, um, you know, keep a – you couldn't put a guy like him on the field, right? Right now, there's not an an opening. And, you know, is Florida going to be somebody's first opportunity, you know, to coach? I don't know. Do I think that he's qualified? I I don't know him well enough there, but I do think that there's an opportunity and obviously a connection back to Gainesville that if things do go well at Western Kentucky – you know, and an opportunity comes up in the future. At least they're able to get their feet wet somewhere else uh, and learn, right? It's just a different job. Um, and and we often like to say that Florida is not a place that you go and you learn on the job, right? You're expected to come in, especially at the salaries that they they get paid to be able to do that job. And not saying that Jamar Cheney can't. I do think that he's going to be very good, and I think he's going to be around coaching for a long time. But I do think being able to get your feet wet somewhere else and then potentially making that uh, return back to Gainesville certainly something in the cards. But certainly wish him the best of luck, but it is an unfortunate loss. But, you know, Jamar Chaney is got to worry about himself and his career as well. So congratulations to him. That's a It's a great spot to land.
1: Yeah, Jamar Chaney helped us get out of that IMG slump, uh, wrap fresh on the job. He had a relationship with Kamari Wilson. You know, just want to give him some flowers. Uh, it's an absolute dog. We're going to miss him a little bit in the recruiting. On the recruit side of things but we'll make up for it absolutely
2: absolutely well before we get jason on the show this is a good opportunity for us to get started talking about spring practice nick i think we're four practices through is that correct correct all right so with that being said we do have a few storylines that are starting to emerge mm-hmm. we do have some groups that are starting to uh you know we're starting to be able to look at who the starters are gonna be and and uh and all of that, but let's start with quarterback. It does look like Graham Mertz is getting a lot of the number one reps right now uh with Jack Miller and Max Brown right behind him. Uh, I heard Max Brown slinging the ball a little uh better than maybe anticipated, but uh Nick, give us your thoughts on the uh the quarterback position um
3: it so i think it's it, I think it is a competition and and the way that they split reps. Jack will get reps with the ones as well. Um, but from what I'm hearing and, and what I'm seeing, it seems like they're trying to give Graham Mertz every opportunity to win this job. Like they would like him to win it. Um, I won't even talk about the first two days we're throwing to we're throwing without outside, pads on to outside nobody. Of reps,
1: I want real quick. I saw the reps. What would give you the indication that they want him to win the job? Just curious.
3: Um, I think the way that they've talked about him, uh, being a veteran, 32 games. Um, they sat him next to Kingsley, who is you know, the, the quarterback of your offensive line room, and next to Trahata Mitchell, um, who is the quarterback of your defense. I think that listen, I, I don't know that anyone, even in the fan, fan base, was not excited about this. The people in that building, um, love Graham Mertz, love him. Um, first Sports one in, area. last one out. Yeah,
2: Yeah, a lunch pail kind of guy. So they love him.
3: Um, I want to see what he looks like when, you know, when you're actually playing 11 on 11. So um, I'm not not getting a lot from, you know, past skeleton drills.
1: Hmm, Gotcha. Yeah, I can see what you're saying. If he aligning, uh, and I want you to finish your take uh, on what you were saying with the quarterback room. But, yeah, if they aligning him beside Taraji Mitchell and also – Kingsley is kind of like putting the leaders beside each other, so I could see those vibes for sure.
3: Um, and and I'm not ready to say that it's over. I I don't think Jack got a fair shake in the Las Vegas Bowl, like nobody wanted to be there. Um, and he was hurt the whole year. Um, it's it'll be interesting. I think Florida's gonna be in the market for another quarterback in the transfer portal when it opens in May. Um, whether that is a guy that can come in and start right away or just another scholarship. Type of guy to give you four in that room. Um, but quarterbacks, fine, definitely different vibes. I was real excited for Ant last spring, right? Uh, so different vibes this spring
1: already. Uh, I expected them to try to chase the quarter. I thought we missed Rashada, they they need mm-hmm. somebody in the, in the, uh, to add to that quarterback room. Um, so not, not shocking there. We'll see who that is. A lot of co- quarterback competitions going on around the country. At mm-hmm. Texas, uh, Ole Miss Lane, he got quite the um, battle going on out there. It's like a three-way thing. And also Alabama, everybody got their eyes on Milroy and Ty Simpson out there. So a lot of battles to watch. We'll see how it all shake out this spring.
2: But. Yeah, no surprise Lane Kiffin is involved in a three-way thing. Uh, <laughs> yeah. the yeah. Offensive yeah. line.
1: Looks like his bag.
2: <laughs> offensive line, it looks like we've got uh, – from from left to right, it looks like we've got our Austin Barber uh, at left tackle, then Mazuka at uh, left guard, uh, Egu Khan at center, uh, Richie Leonard at right guard, and then um, seeing both Damian George and uh, Keontae Goodwin at right tackle. Uh, any additional clarity there, Nick, or are we going to still see some some fine tooth combing of that offensive line starting spot? I think I think it'll be I think it'll be
3: Goodwin, uh, but that'll be a battle. Um, I almost thought that they would kick George inside um mm-hmm. and put him next to Goodwin, but they love Richie Leonard. I think Richie Leonard is a good player. Um, and I thought Richie Leonard would maybe even get uh a shot at center to push Kingsley and say, mm-hmm. like, hey, this is not your job, you have to earn it again. Um, but I like Richie, I like that offensive line. Um, Mazuka has been one of the guys, especially from the transfer portal, that I've been impressed with. Um Rob Sale was really high on him. He says, you know, uh, you tell him something in practice that's a different scheme or a different technique, and he just picks it up. Like, football comes easy to him. Um, Jabbar Jaluk said you don't want to be in a dark alley with him, so now you've got smart and mean. I'll take that all day in an offensive line.
2: Absolutely. Uh, are, are we seeing anybody else? Uh, I know Jake Slaughter uh, is a guy that is potentially uh, up for that that's center spot as well. What, what does it look like? Beyond that, that starting six that we just named there, obviously five with the addition of either Goodwin or George. Um, but I, I know Billy Napier said that they have about ten guys. So what is what are those other four that are pushing? What? I don't think they have ten
3: yet. Um, okay, but I I think I like Roger Kearney a lot. I'm I'm always hesitant to talk about freshmen, especially. He's yeah. um, getting linemen. reps on the twos, though. <laughs> He's getting reps in with the twos, which is why I bring him up. Um, and I had a a another writer who does a lot of film breakdowns. Tell me Roger Kearney had the best film uh, of any interior lineman. Loved him. Um, It um, those five, those five that you mentioned, I like David Connor has been out um, uh, in a Mm. uh, black Jersey a non-contact Jersey. Um, I think Barbers looks good. Look has looked uh, good on the left side. Um, Riley Simmons is getting a little bit of run, but really like Jordan Herman Damian George, Keontae Goodwin, maybe Roger Kearney, Richie, you know, those five. Um, I don't okay. think, I don't think four has got 10.
2: All right. Uh, at running back, obviously we have Montreal Johnson and uh, ETN uh, as you're starting to, uh, but it looks like Cam Carroll uh, is doing well um, as well. A little bit, maybe more impressive in some of the film breakdowns that, that's been shared on social media. Now, caution everybody when we talk about film shared on social media, but it does look like he's maybe a little bit more impressive than, you know, maybe people were imagining.
3: Uh, He, he, he bet it on himself. That's one thing. I mean, he only has one year of eligibility left and they asked him to come to a room that is returning 1500 yards and 16 touchdowns. And he said, sure. Um, I think it'll be hard for him to crack that rotation, but he's a guy that you can put on special teams um on all four special teams could even be a returner he's got legit speed at, at almost 230 pounds um and also if i'm him get him where you fit in florida hasn't really used the running backs in the passing game live on that jugs machine show them hey i can be your third down back i can catch passes i can be involved in the passing game um he's been in a non-contact jersey a little bit uh, but still going through drills with the running backs
2: and then we have Jason Odom waiting. So before we do that, let's just give one final uh, review of the the wide receiver room. It looks like uh, freshman, Andy Jean is doing very well. Uh, Nick, who do we have as starters at wide receiver?
3: Um, I'm, well, I'm breaking my rule, not hyping freshmen. Um, love Andy Jean. I think his, I, I said on Twitter, his route running reminds me of like Van Jefferson, but he's got like a, a an Antonio Calloway, like shifty speed to him. Um, Everyone I've talked to says at some point this year he will be starting, and they wouldn't be surprised if it's Week One. Um, just a wow. really mature football player, um, lives in lives in the facility. Dan, I love it. Things you love to hear. Um, yep. I like him a lot. I think Aiden Mizell is coming along as well. Um, he's he hasn't played football in a while because of his injury, so um, he's coming through. Um, I'm not I'm not as low on the wide receiver room as I was There's last last year. year. Yeah. A little higher on the wide receiver room. this Wow!
2: Year. Look at you.
3: It might just be Andy Jean. Hey, it
2: only, yeah, it really only takes a couple. Yeah, a lot takes- of
1: speed. What we was missing in that room was speed and separation. So um, a lot of, these guys can run routes and they have the speed to separate. So good job by the staff for just bringing in what the room was missing. Most importantly, you know what I'm saying. So I, I like shockingly, you know, I think Graham Mercer is gonna have a better room of weapons than than what AR had. so So we'll see how that benefits him
2: it's mertz mania time all right with that being said uh, let's give a quick shout out to, to our top friends. That up.
1: You know, I'm going to top that up. Got to put that on the streets. <laughs>
2: uh, as always, let's give a shout out to our friends over at Homefield Apparel. Go visit homefieldapparel.com. Use promo code Stadium and Gale. Uh, they are running a bunch of specials for March Madness. And uh, I don't know, probably about 90 different schools right now uh, that uh, Homefield Apparel offers, uh, including about 17 different unique items for the University of Florida. So go check them out. Homefieldapparel.com, promo code Stadium and Gale. And with that being said, we welcome University of Florida Hall of Fame member, two-time All-SEC, unanimous All-American, one of the, one of the greats on the uh, Florida Gators offensive line from the 90s, Jason Odom to the show. Jason, it is a pleasure to have you today, my friend.
4: Well, thank you very much. That's a um, quite an honor to be on the show and I appreciate that intro and uh, it Sometimes it's good to hear it's been so many years ago that I don't even remember if it's true. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: beyond oh, that, the Jacobs blocking trophy in 94, 95, played uh, five years with the Tampa Bay Bucks as well. Um, Jason, want to kind of go back to the beginning. Um, you were at UF during the the heyday of Steve Sprayer coming back to Florida and really uh, reviving uh, the University of Florida program. Uh, but before we even get there, originally from uh, the Bartow area here in Florida, how would you ultimately end up at the University of Florida? Uh, listen, I, I tried
4: to, to play a good game, but really, I grew up a Gator from the moment I knew what football was. I was a Gator. Um, family were Gators. And, you know, uh, when I started getting recruiting, uh, you know, I think I started getting recruited in like the ninth grade because of my mm-hmm. size. I don't think I was very good at that time, but I was just so much bigger than everybody. But um, at that time, I tried to act like, well, I don't know where I'm going to go. But in the back of my mind, the whole time I knew where I was going to go, I went on an official visit to Michigan um, the first weekend we were allowed to do officials. Um, and my visit was terrible. The, the coach at the time had me in his office, wouldn't let me out of his office, wanted, wanted a commitment. And I said, when I finally got out of his office without committing, I uh, I said to myself, "I'm not going to waste anybody's time or my own to do this." You know, four more times, and I canceled the rest of my visits and committed to Florida. And I was the first commitment of the of the 1992 class, which ended up being the class that that really turned things around.
2: That's incredible. Um, I want to completely fast forward like 30 years. Well, uh, well, well can... let me jump in. Boom, oh yeah.
3: What is Steve Spurrier's recruiting pitch? You know, it's funny. I
4: just saw him um, a little over a week ago at an event uh, uh, at uh, his restaurant that Chris Chris Doring's uh, mortgage company sponsored. And, um, and I talked to him about recruiting. And I said, Coach, you remember coming to Bartow and watching me practice baseball? And uh, I said, you were actually – I was taking ground balls from third base and, and you were, I still remember he was over by the first base dugout and he was like mimicking what I was doing. Like he was taking grounders <laughs> and uh, uh, you know, from, from his, you know, recruiting, coming to my house, coming to the school, uh, Jim Collins was the guy who actually recruited me love him still to this day, still talk to him um, everything about the recruiting, you know, it was really easy because even though I was kind of, you know, fibbing to everyone. I was going, I was going to Florida. <laughs> there, was, there was nowhere else. But but Spurrier was a big part of that. And plus, you know, there was a lot of opportunity to play. And so, mm-hmm. even though I wanted to go to Florida, it was a perfect scenario for me too because they they were graduating um, both tackles in '91, and uh, so '92 it was, was end up being me and Reggie Green as the starters. Well, that's crazy. So back
1: back then, like social media wasn't what it is now. So what was the vibes around Winter Haven when you're the, the big recruits? These Spurs coming into town, like what's what's the fanfare for the locals?
4: Well, I I, I grew up and went to Bartow High School. Uh, I was actually born at Winter Haven High School, but right. um but Bartow is is Gator heavy, and um and so is Polk County, obviously with being the home of Ben Hill Griffin, um uh, and their family, uh, and so everybody was excited. Everybody was you know, when I was not telling people, everybody was like, why, why aren't you going to Florida? Why aren't you going to Florida? And, um, I remember I, I had one of my dear friends. Um, uh, we went to the same church and before I told anybody, I went to church that Sunday morning with a gator tie on. <laughs> and when they saw me show up with the gator tie on, they were like, are you, are you, Did you make the decision? And I just shook my head. Yes. And, they were huge Seminole fans. They were the few, one of the few Seminole fans, and uh, which they were also recruiting me. And I had a visit set up there, and, and uh, oh, I can't believe it! I can't believe it! And that's kind of how it happened. And uh, but the the social media wasn't even around. Internet wasn't invented back then. That's right. how long ago it was. <laughs> yeah.
1: I'm glad you ruined church for those Seminoles, though, man.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Jason, with that being said, I want to talk a lot about your time at UF. But you know, your son is now a tight end at the University of Florida. Obviously, a highly recruited guy himself. How did what, what kind of guidance did you give him when he was going through the recruiting process? Because I know obviously he committed to Florida, but I know he was open to you know a ton of other schools as well. How did you navigate how to to deal with that and not losing focus and and choosing the right school for him and not just following his dad's footsteps?
4: Well, you know I, it's interesting because I coached him at, at Jesuit here in, or in Tampa and um, you know I tried to be um, I tried to be dad only during the recruiting process and so I never pushed Florida. In fact, we would do this little game where me him and his mom would just be sitting there and, and we'd be like, okay, on the count of three list your top three and, and um, it was never we never put him on the spot to give us the one. And I, on purpose, never included Florida in my top three because I wanted it to be his decision, not, not mine. I didn't want to influence him to go there because sometimes that can backfire. Even, even though it's my alma mater, it can backfire. If it's not the right place for him, he's not filling in his heart. So um, I never said Florida in my top three. Uh, all the way, We probably did that 10 or 15 times through his recruiting process, and he went to a bunch of different places. And uh, and I honestly thought that he would be a good fit for the Big Ten, and uh, just because you know the way he's built and and you know kind of the the, the you know kind of the person he is, and and uh, we were going to a barbecue at Florida, just you know, unofficial visit, and uh, and we were on the way up there, and he goes, "Dad, I think I'm going to commit today," and I'm like, "What?" <laughs> but I was driving down the interstate, and both my wife and I wanted to turn around and look at him, like where did that come from? And so that's, that's kind of how it happened, but no, I didn't influence him at all. A lot, a lot like played football. He, he, when he was a toddler, we would get up in the morning. He would, he would be up at before everyone watching ESPN and watching football highlights. And so he's been a football guy since day one. And I honestly, after my, my playing days with the, with the Bucks, I didn't watch a whole lot of football and it was just kind of in him, but you know, Sports is kind of centered around our whole family. His mom mm-hmm. played basketball at Florida. She was a scholarship player at Florida, and that's how we met. So um, it's pretty special for both of us. And, you know, to see that culminate for this past year, him, first, him getting his first real time on the field, um, you know, catching a couple of touchdown balls. The, the first one at Florida was really special for all of us. Uh, my, my wife and I and, and his, his grandparents uh, were in the stands for that. So it was fun to watch.
3: He mentioned that after uh, we talked to him after that game, uh, post game media, and he mentioned that everyone was at the game and that made it special. Um, yep. But he needs to learn timing. Don't don't surprise your dad with that kind of information <laughs> when he's driving a car down the, the down the interstate.
4: <laughs> exactly, exactly. It was a, it was a dangerous five seconds, and I'm trying to turn my head around, and look at him. Are you serious? <laughs>
1: Did you feel good a little bit though? It warms your heart a little bit. Like you, you had to feel a little excited about him going to your alma mater though.
4: Oh yeah, absolutely. I was excited, but kind of in the back of my mind, I'm going, you know, is he making this decision for himself? Cause this is yeah. your journey, son. I want to be for yourself. And so I actually said that to him. I'm like, just as long as it's your decision, not for any other reason, but other than your own heart wants to go. And he says, yeah. And so, um, that was all I needed to hear. Uh, fully reason right, man. Totally <laughs> supportive after that.
2: Um, has he given you, I mean, just, it's more topical than anything. Has he given you any update on a uh, new, uh, tight end coach, Russ Calloway kind of his relationship with him coaching style, anything like that? Or yeah, he
4: said, he said he really likes him. Um, and, uh, got to know him last year. I guess he was on the staff mm-hmm. or has been on the staff a little bit, um, in some form or fashion, but he said he really likes him. Um, he really liked Piegler. Um, and so he's, uh, he's excited. Obviously he's still rehabbing, so he's not participating in the spring, but, um, but he's excited for what, what the future holds.
2: That's awesome. Well, I want to get back to your your playing days. Uh, you were there from 92 to 95, obviously, you know, a lot of SEC championships, you guys playing the Nebraska game. But before we get into kind of the playing time, I want to ask a little bit about the personalities. Obviously, you had the ultimate personality in Steve Spurrier. Uh, you had guys like James Bates and uh, Anthony and, you know, Danny Werfel was there too. What was, what was it like being on that team just from – kind of a team perspective, just outside of playing ball. But, but just with those guys and their personality seemed like a lot of fun. Well,
4: and that's what people don't realize is that, um, that whole group, not just my class, but the guys that that were, you know, in front of me and behind me, we really gelled. And it was a special time in Florida. I mean, we, that was back when they still had athletic dorms. We, most of us lived in Yon hall for the first few years. And so we were, we were truly a family. So, when we got to the locker room, it wasn't like you know. Even after practice, we wasn't. It wasn't like everybody was tearing out of there. We hung out before and after um, everything we did. You know, we we you know made made silly games that we played in the locker room all together, all position groups, and um, and just really special time. And and still close to a lot of those guys. Um, uh, we're going with uh, James and Tina Bates uh, to an event. Um, Uh, later this month and and see chris and danny was my roommate in yon hall and and still talk to him you know all the time just um just a really special group of of people Uh, my class uh, in particular but really the whole group around us you you know class of of uh 92 on through so um i just Love all those guys and the coaches. I mean, I had two. I, I had I had two coaches in my whole career, which is hard to say. I mean, I played five years for the Bucks, all under Tony Dungy, and played for Spurrier my, all my four years. I had I had two position coaches at Florida, but that's because one of them went to the NFL. So really, just you know, a, a solid backing and people that believed in us, and and uh, just the the vibe around the team was really well, and you could see things gelling. And the reason why we, it led up to end up being a national championship the year after I was gone, but it was essentially my class's group. And as you mentioned earlier, we, we actually played for it in 95 and kind of got our, our, butts, our butts whipped. But uh, um, that was less about um, uh, talent and more about that was kind of the first time we'd been on that stage and maybe, maybe didn't give Nebraska as much credit as, uh, before the game as they deserved.
1: Yeah, broke my heart as a kid. Uh, what was what was practice like for for you guys on the Spurries uh, regime? How competitive was it?
4: Uh, extremely competitive. And and people don't realize that part is even when we do, you know, drills within ourselves. So, like, when we do drills against other offensive linemen, Reggie and I were always paired. And there were many, many nights I'd go home battered and bruised. And, and maybe Reggie would say the same thing. Hopefully he would say the same thing about me. But yeah, we would – Hopefully, yeah. There was no brother-in-law in, in our group. We, we were going to make each other better. Um, the guy I practiced against probably ninety percent of the time because he was a year ahead of me. He left my senior year, but Kevin Carter was was the guy that I practiced against every day. Him and Ellis Johnson are on my side. Amazing players, and nobody nobody brother-in-law. There was no Patty Cake. There was no, Let's take a playoff. We were trying to we were trying to get our work in and dominate whoever we were against, and so. I mean, how could you not be good playing against the kind of defensive players we had, especially up front? And I think all of them played in the league, um, and some of them played for a long, long time and, and may, may end up being in the Hall of Fame. Who knows? So, um, just – it was it was so great. I remember the coaches um, – we worked so hard that we got to do things that you don't normally get to do. Like, like you know, towards the end of my career, would be like, me and Donnie Young were taking defensive reps, knowing that we're never going to play defense, but but we wanted to do one-on-one pass rush. So we they, they let us rush on the offensive lineman during one-on-one pass rush drills. And how many times do you get to see that now They're, on a regular basis during the season? Never. But they, they trusted us and our work ethic, and it made it extremely fun for us.
3: Most, what, was your most what was your go-to pass rush move?
4: Well, it, I always went back to – I don't know if you remember a guy named Bill Gunner. He was he was like a like an 8th year senior back then. He had like he was like 26 when I was 18 years old. And I was a pretty good even though I came from Barton we didn't pass the ball a lot. I, I had pretty good feet and could pass protect and the first pass uh, rush one-on-one pass pro I did against Bill Gunner, he fake-spinned me. So he comes up and wiggles like he goes into a spin and I jump hard inside. And he didn't spin; he just went back out of it, and I didn't even touch the guy. He beat me, and I'm like, <laughs> "That was amazing." <laughs>
3: that's that's a, a welcome to college moment right there. Yeah,
4: yeah. Hey rookie, you, you got to be smart, just not good up here. So, uh, so that I, I would, I would use all kinds of, you know, fake spins. Um, you know, slap the hands down. I mean, uh, you know, I had a little wiggle in me, and uh, I'd always. Uh, Cooper Car- Carlisle, who um, who played after me and played a long time in the league, I got to rush against him, and uh, you know, I'd give him, I'd give him nightmares because when you when you are rushing against guys you practice with every day, it wasn't like I had a special move. I just knew everybody else's weaknesses like they knew mine. <laughs> Smart,
2: uh, Jason. I want to I want to talk a little bit about. Um your time, you know, wrapping up at Florida and then going to the NFL, obviously, you know, incredible career at the university of Florida, you go to the NFL, um, you go under, you know, you go from one, you know, very kind of outspoken, loud, um, kind of different kind of guy and Steve Spurrier to, uh, you know, a pretty buttoned up guy and Tony Dungy and everything else. What was that transition from, from college to the NFL? Like for you? Uh, it
1: was,
4: it was different, you know, um, we had the, our first rookie minicamp, um, uh, got to meet uh, Tony and, and, uh, and his staff there. And um, I just remember the first minicamp, it was in helmets and jerseys and shorts. And there was no like shells or even those pads on your shoulders. And we went out there and it was literally 100% real football without pads on. This is before the collective bargaining agreement had, had mandated for you what you could do it to players at practice. And I got done with that first session, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, this is for real. And so I kind of was always one of those guys that tried not to overstep my bounds. I knew I could play, but I didn't know, you know, on that level, you know, where I stood. And after after rookie minicamp, they cut the right tackle. And I'm like, wow, they must think I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, I didn't start game one, but like the fourth, no, maybe the sixth game of that year, um, we had lost a bunch of games already in '96, and uh, and so I, I was named the starter. Unfortunately, hurt my knee um, the week after my first start against Denver, um, and we the Bucks weren't on national TV back then a, a lot. And our first, my first start was against Denver on national TV. Played against Alfred Williams, I think was his name, who was a Pro Bowl player and did well and actually tore up my knee in practice. Mike Allstott need me in my left knee. And, uh, thanks to him for the arthritis I have today. Uh, <laughs> um, so I missed a couple of games with the knee scope and then finished out, uh, I think the last five or six games starting. Um, but I played both left and right tackle that year. And, and then was a starter for, you know, the, the next, uh, well, three and a half years of the last year I was on injured reserve because of my back. But, um, uh, Tony, to get back to your your regular question, was Tony was a, just a guy that he wasn't a yeller, but, you know, very businesslike, very businesslike approach to practice. And even though we were like one and six at my rookie year starting off, you knew we were building something. And then obviously in 97, I started every game. We turned it around, won the first playoff, went to the playoff and won the first playoff game in like 15 years in Tampa. Um, had a home playoff game against Detroit. I think it was and won it and, um, could there couldn't be two more opposite guys as head coaches, but both great in their own way. I mean, um, you know, I love, I love Spurrier's, you know, frankness and I really appreciated, you know, Tony's just kind of humble business businessman approach and, and everything he brought to the table and, and obviously some great teammates in Tampa. I mean, my goodness, it seems like every year one of my teammates is going in the Hall of Fame now.
1: Jason, let's get back to uh, you speaking of coaches and uh, Steve Spurrier. Uh, After the 95 loss to Nebraska, what was Steve's uh, message to the team? What was his demeanor?
4: You know, one of the things I remember a lot is that it seemed like, you know, because the hoopla around that game was different than the other bowl games we'd gone to. We'd gone to bowl games every year, um, and some of them were big bowls. But when we went to that one, it seemed like we were always, um, it seemed like we were always waiting on Nebraska when we did when we did combined team events together, and they had us waiting around a lot. Um, there was some aggravation both on the coaches' staff and the players, and it's like it's like they w- we waited on them to show up everywhere, and and I remember coach saying something to the effect of, "Well, we know what we know what we have to do next time," and he wasn't necessarily talking about on the field. I'm sure some of that was in there, but. But it was about, you know, we're not going to be we're not going to be beholden to someone else's schedule. We'll we'll make our own, and and if if someone has to wait on us, they have to wait on us. So he was learning. He's that's one thing he was great at. He was learning from uh, you know not necessarily the mistakes that we made pregame, but you know just kind of the the all the surrounding things. Very detailed guy, and and um, could make adjustments. You know with the best of them, whether it be in game day of, or a year later, as it, as it were for the 96 team.
2: Mm -hmm. Um, Jason, uh, talk to us a little bit about kind of post career. Um, I know you're here in Hillsborough County or sheriff now, but what's, what's life been like post um, your time in the NFL? Well,
4: my exodus from the NFL wasn't great. um, My fourth year was a contract year. I had, you know, some back trouble, which i would battled all through college and in the pros. And, uh, my fourth year, I, I think it was the fourth or fifth game. I went down with a back injury and it it wouldn't respond to the, the treatments that I'd had in the past. And I couldn't get back. I couldn't get back. So I ended up having surgery, uh, in 99 to repair some discs in my back. And, um, and they thought that I could come back, um, and, in 2000 so the Bucks signed me to a new deal to play left tackle uh uh, for the 2000 season and i lasted one day in training camp and my back did the exact same thing and through several doctor visits um through the to the next couple of weeks and months um it was it was it was really clear that i had no option other than retire and and spinal fusion at some point um which both has both have happened now. I didn't. I did not for the spinal fusion then, but I've had to have it since. Which they told me I was going to have because my discs were just so bad in my back. Um, and so my exodus from the from the league was way premature. I mean, I was a starter. Um, you know, you hear a lot of guys saying, "Well, um, they shouldn't have cut me." Well, that wasn't the case for this. They wanted me, and I wanted to be there. I just. Literally couldn't play. I mean, my daughter was born at that point. Jonathan's older sister, Lauren, and uh, I mean, I couldn't even pick her up off the ground during that time. Mm. Um, but to answer your question, after after all that happened, you know, my I lost a bunch of weight. My back got okay enough for me to you know try to get a job. And I said, well, there were two things I always loved as a kid, and one was was uh, was football, and the other was um, law enforcement. And so I decided to. With my wife's blessing, obviously, give that a run, and and uh, I joined the Hillsborough County Sheriff's Office in 2007, I think it was, and I had um, um, about eight years with them. But in 2014, mm-hmm. 15, my back was was it was never great, but I was able mm-hmm. to pass their physical at least to get the job. But I, I they had moved me to a, a desk job at that point, and I couldn't even sit at a desk all day long, mm-hmm. um, and so and I wasn't even wearing a, a gun belt anymore. I was wearing a polo and khakis and um, I couldn't even sit there and do that job. So I actually went out on disability uh, mm-hmm. for a second time um, with the sheriff's office in 2015. And so I've been on, on uh, disability um, ever since then.
2: But you're mm-hmm. coaching now.
4: Well, I coached while Jonathan was at Jesuit. Oh, okay. Yeah. I coached at Jonathan while he was a Jesuit. And that was only because I was picking him up from practice one day mm-hmm. and, and who's a dear friend of mine now, the head coach at Jesuit, Matt Thompson, who does an incredible job. He's like, hey, can you come out and, and help us? And I said, yeah, yeah, Matt, but I can't be the guy. I don't move very well. I can't stand for long periods of time. i got all these issues, knees and back. Now I'm, I'm old and everything else hurts too. <laughs> and, uh, and so he says, no, just come out and help when you can. Well, that turned into uh, the following year, him walking up to me one, one day going, Hey, I hope you don't mind, but I let the offensive line coach go. You're the guy. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> but Congratulations. I, I, but I told him, I said, listen, my oldest daughter is playing college volleyball, man. When, when Jonathan's done, I'm missing all her games. And I'm not that parent. I want to be at the games. And, and right. volleyball is one of those. Even in college, they play a couple of times during the week. And they play every Friday night in the fall and most Saturdays. And so – I said after after the twenty twenty season, Matt, I'm gone. No matter how, how bad we you need me or you want me, I'm gone. And so uh that was the truth. I, I got to watch her I, I, I left uh Jesuit after Jonathan graduated and I got to watch my uh you know, now with COVID she she got an extra year, so I watched her uh twenty twenty one season and um I still talked to Matt. He still asked me when I'm coming back and I haven't made that decision yet. <laughs> i don't I don't know if I can my to to be on the sidelines I mean if you watch me on the sidelines at a Jesuit game that was you know years ago now I'm trying to find places to get comfortable I'm trying to change position mm. lean on stuff and I didn't want to be the guy out there in a in a three wheeled cart, so I never went that far but, but uh, it's it's tough for me to be out there coaching, but I loved it love the kids
2: what do you so- go ahead.
1: Sorry, what do you tell Jonathan these days? uh, dealing with coaching changes. Uh, he went from Mullen to to Billy now. Uh, what do you guys talk to like when you when you talk to him about just business when it pertains He's to football? He's already
3: had as many head coaches as you had uh, in college, <laughs> Andy, <I know>. right? <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, that's
4: true, and uh, and and more position coaches in one year than than you know I, than I've had. So you know, there's been times where it's been. I've been a counselor in many many respects because his you know his first year was tough. He he tore his shoulder up his senior year at Jesuit, and uh, so he had surgery late in the year in nineteen. Well, when he got out of his his sling, COVID hit, so um, he couldn't even go to the gym. So when he got to Florida, he was he literally didn't have the ability to play because he was so weak on his on his left side, and and the guy that recruited him had left. And, uh, so he asked this, uh, this new coach who didn't know anything about the injury. I mean, I'm sure he was briefed on it, but didn't know when he got there, Hey, this kid's been like sitting on the couch after shoulder surgery for four months. And, and, uh, so when he got there, that whole 2020 season was terrible for him. He, he, he really felt like he couldn't compete. He was, he, his strength in his upper body was just terrible. And, and, um, so that whole year we had, probably hundreds of conversations on hey just you know you got to embrace the suck you know it, I know it's bad but you know it'll get better when you get some time to, to get in the program and get strong um, well lo and behold the next spring he tears the same shoulder up again and so he fought injury again and that's been the biggest the biggest hurdle for him is just everybody knows when you're in college that that's when your biggest gains are made strength wise, because you're in the in programs that really maximize that and nutrition and all those things you need that you don't really get in high school. And, uh, and he's had a, a big injury. It seems like every year. And, and I've always known he could play, but uh, he's, he's got to have time to, to be in the program injury free for a while. And that's a key. And sometimes those things you can't control yourself. And, so that's kind of been his, his biggest hurdle. But I've really just tried to play counselor and say, Hey, you gotta keep your head up. Ultimately God's got a plan, no matter you don't know what it is right now, but you gotta believe in what he's what he's teaching you, what he's showing you and and uh, and fight through all this and, and let it make you better. And in a lot of ways it has. He's a lot lots smarter, tougher, and um and handles adversity better now than than he way better than he did in twenty twenty.
2: How do you talk to him about balancing everything? I mean, there's just so much more now, um, you know, with social media and kind of obviously instant reaction. There's a lot more podcasts, a lot more discussion about it. How do you talk to him about, you know, focus on not just football, but on school and balancing social media and being able to still live, you know, a somewhat normal life as a college kid and kind of blocking out you know some of that noise or, or what are some of the conversations you have with him from kind of the personal side of uh, the football experience and not just the, the business side
4: that that ends up being our biggest rub between he and I because mm-hmm. obviously I'm not a I'm not a huge social media guy but that's kind of their world today and I remember uh, when he was being recruited we went on a visit and um, and uh, Jim Collins the guy who recruited me at Florida was mm-hmm. still coaching football and and I didn't let I wouldn't let Jonathan have social media even though it was out back then and and Jim Collins looked at me and goes hey you at least got to let him have Twitter and I'm like why he My goes God. he goes all the recruiting's done on Twitter I'm like how's that and um, and and he was right but it, that opened up for, at least for me personally that opened up Pandora's box because as soon as he had a Twitter account and started getting recruiting through that it was like I've got to let him get on that and I was always kind of anti-social media but to this day, I'm like, hey man, you don't need to post so much stuff. He's like, Dad, that's the way we got to do things, and that's how we get deals. And this whole nil deal stole me for a loop. I don't really have any direction. I was seeking others out. I was seeking, I was seeking attorneys out that I knew and friends that I knew. I'm like, hey, how do I help him navigate this? And most of them are like, hey, it's so new, we don't know what to tell you. Just you know, make sure he doesn't sign any any contracts that are in perpetuity, and and uh, you know you know, one-year deals or less or something like that. And I'm like, okay, that's a broad range. So um, that's been kind of a rub for us. I mean, I still to this day, you know, I'm, I'm I'm trusting him a lot. And and still to this day, he's 21 years old. I'm still calling him, hey, take that down. Or, hey, you don't need to, you don't need to post this. And he's like, dad, you're old, you're weird.
1: <laughs> Sounds like my son for sure, man. You got to so, play with, um,
4: dad's not with the times on social
1: media, <laughs> you got to play with Redell twice as well. Do you have any good Redell Anthony mm-hmm. stories, uh, from Gainesville or Tampa?
4: I love Freakum, that's what he wrote on his uh, his uh, his uh, waistband when he was in Florida. Freakum, yeah, I got a great Redell story, so um, it doesn't start great. out great for Redell, but um. <laughs> Let's hear it. I love him today, but so when when uh, when I was at Tampa, our offensive coordinator was a guy named Mike Shula. Um, my my team favorite growing up was the Miami Dolphins, so his dad was like my hero, Don Shula, and uh, and so Mike was offensive coordinator, and it was it was uh, off season time, and Mike comes up to me at this facility and says, "Hey, who do you like out of Reed L. Anthony and Ike Hilliard?" And uh, I said, "Well, if I was drafting." Because uh, at that point they didn't, they weren't projecting um, Ike to go as as high as he was, and I said if I was drafting I'd draft Ike, and uh, and Ike went really super high that draft, and nobody was kind of out of the blue, and so they drafted Reddell, and I felt kind of bad because I kind of dissed Redell a little bit. <laughs> But I loved Redell as well, and and man, he brought an explosiveness. You know, he 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 had kind of that swagger that, that you need on teams, kind of like a uh, an Eric Ret type. Just, you know, had a had a lot of swag, a lot of talk, and could back it up. And uh, the guy was fast, returned kicks, and you know, take the deep ball to the house. And and uh, and still not talk to him today. You know, down from the bottom, him and and Fred Weary, uh, not Fred, Fred, Fred Weary, Fred Taylor. Um, yeah. Down uh, down south at uh, Bell Glade, man, love that guy. Still, when I see him, hug up on him and uh, and tell him how special he was. But that was my
3: my funny el story. I was I
4: was trying to get us to draft Ike instead. <laughs>
3: um, I had a question. I, I I've gotten to know Lawrence Wright a little bit. He's hell dog. What was he like in the locker room? Because he's still a character to this day.
4: It's still a character to this day. So. Um, if I were to smile real big, you could probably see I've got a chip in my front tooth from 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 L-dog. Lawrence. Lawrence. <laughs> so is was, Joey
3: Kent. <laughs> yeah.
4: Well, I don't know if it was that game, but we were at a home game and and we were in stretch and I didn't I wasn't buckled up, I had my helmet on, but he was always fired up, practice games. He was one of those guys that you just, you know, you got to have on a team. And he headbutted me in stretch. I wasn't expecting it. I didn't have a mouthpiece in or nothing. And after he headbutted me, he walked off and I was spitting out pieces of teeth. <laughs>
1: so that's insane.
4: Uh, uh, L Dog Productions. He always had, mm-hmm. he's always had, if there was NIL around back when we played, L Dog would have had all the deals because he was always <laughs> up from somewhere or another.
2: <laughs> oh, man. Well, gentlemen, any, uh, any final questions, final thoughts before we let Jason get on with his, uh, with his day?
1: No, I enjoyed the conversation.
2: Absolutely. Sure. Jason, thank you so much uh, for coming on the show today. Really enjoyed uh, getting to know you a little bit more. Certainly, we are rooting on your son. We're excited uh, to see him in the orange and blue. But it was an absolute pleasure uh, to chat with you and hopefully we can get you on in the future and and talk a little bit more about your time.
4: I appreciate it. Good hanging out with you guys. I, I really do. Thank awesome. you. Thanks, right, you. Thanks, thanks so much, Jason. Bye-bye.
2: Jason Odom, All-American. Great conversation. Really enjoyed – our time uh, with him. Uh, before we get back on to talking about spring practice again on the defensive side of the ball, let's give a shout out to our friends over at Alumni Hall. Go visit them on Archer Road or go visit them on alumnihall.com. If you're looking for anything from a baseball perspective, gymnastics, uh, basketball, football, that we get getting some new spring polos. Uh, and for football here in the not too distant future, go check them out alumnihall.com or visit them on Archer road. Let's get back to the defensive side of the ball. Nick, what are we seeing on defense?
3: Um, I really like, uh, Cameron Jackson from Memphis. Um, talked to a couple people, uh, around the Memphis program. And I think the only negative that I heard is maybe takes plays off sometimes, um, as a 300 pounder, I get that. Um, but you'd rather be a guy, um, You'd rather be a guy that the coach has to say, whoa, rather than go. Um, but if you've got McClellan there um, and, and you've got um, Big Des, I, you don't need to ask him to play 50 snaps. Hey, mm-hmm. play 35 snaps a game. Go all out 35 times. Um, I really like him. Um, I think Tra- uh, Trahaja, Trahada, I'm going to mess that up. I, I always call him
2: Trahada, but I learned the Jays are spot- silent. Yeah,
3: Mitchell. Um he has stepped right in already uh into that Ventral Miller role, making calls, making checks, really vocal. Um and Black
1: names rarely are pronounced how they're spelled, so I I'm, I'm think both of you guys are wrong. Yeah, the strong J.
2: Well,
3: <laughs> what, what would be your pronunciation?
1: What'd you say real quick? Let me see if I could get it right. What'd you say, Nick? Trahaja. T- no, no. What'd you say, Dan?
2: I said Tarada.
1: Tarada? Tarajay. Give me Tarajay.
2: Tarajay Mitchell.
1: Tarajay Mitchell.
2: That actually that could work. I'm
1: just I'm just well, we just need
2: winning. clarification, Nick. I, was I literally wrong on asked. I've been wrong I, on I,
1: black names before. I could be wrong again,
3: but I literally asked Jaden Hill on Saturday and he told me. Can't remember. Um but anyway, I like him. Step right in, fifth year player. Um obviously was in the in in the playbook um because he's out there making calls with Derek Wingo out um, after his second surgery. Um, that means Shamar James is is there next to him. Um, I really haven't seen Manny Nunnery a lot. Um, the the last mm-hmm. he was last right from Houston. Mm-hmm. Um, hadn't seen him a lot um, or, or or Deuce a lot. Like really, the ones right now, clear cut are Shamar and Trahaja. Trahaja. Derek
1: Wingo Derek Wingo is out this spring as well.
3: Yeah, Wingo had shoulder surgery right after um, right after the bowl game and then foot surgery. So shout out to Derek Wingo. Derek Wingo, uh, Ventrell got tossed out of the Vandy game in the second half. So Derek was going to have to start against FSU. Broke his foot on Monday in practice. And they were just like – he or he was like, I, I got to play 30 minutes. That's it, on a broken foot. So shout out to Derek Wingo.
1: What are you hearing about Caleb Banks? I do see some videos. He's yeah, like he had a good get off. What are you hearing about him in the trenches?
3: Uh, the players, his teammates, like him. Um, I, I I think I view him more as a, a project, a guy that you get a little bit of run this
2: year, but you're you're projecting him to maybe be <clears throat> a starter. Excuse me, a starter next year. So I have an I have an update. This is breaking news for Stadium and Gale. If you look at the Ohio State media guy, we have Taraja taraja miller mitchell i mean taraja mitchell
1: nailed it breaking news nick nick got it nailed it you
2: mm-hmm. gotta hear from I think, he first. Said, I think he said taraja but I said in, soak. oh you did yeah okay um so caleb i'm sorry nick you were talking about caleb banks
3: yeah i i, I think he's more of a project a guy that um <clears throat> that will probably make a bigger a bigger impact next year um when when i'm looking inside i think Tyreek sapp is playing uh, a mm-hmm. lot of strong side defensive end you've they've thrown um princely over to jack i think that's a great move for princely especially um i think princely's mind might be made up like he's ready to go to the nfl after his mm-hmm. junior year and there you need a quarterback in the nfl you need someone to protect your quarterback and then you need someone to go hit the other guy's quarterback if he can put up Double digit sacks uh, at that jack position. I think he's going to, uh, he can help himself a lot. Um, don't know if that's permanent though, either. It might be just cross training. Um, but I like Tyreek Sapp. I think I-, I thought it was crazy last year. They had him play a nose tackle at some point early on in the season. Um, mm-hmm. You just need to let him play defensive end, maybe maybe tackle, but um, it, I think it's, it's an all right line. I want to see Jamari Lyons, uh, redshirt freshman. What did you do last year? How have you gotten better? um I think the same thing with Jalen Humphreys now you're a redshirt jr. can mm-hmm. you is it, is it like no nah, I'm not gonna curse pooper get off the pot like what are you, what are you doing here? you've been here four years time to make an impact um and uh des like the weight you got to get the weight under control.
2: Yeah, I think he's every bit that that 449 uh, he's probably a little bit lighter now um but uh, the videos and pictures that we're seeing is that he's definitely absolutely carrying at least four bills out there right now amid four bills. Um we've got Kamari Wilson uh, and Miguel Mitchell as starting safeties. What are we seeing at defensive uh, back on the, the cornerback side, Nick? Um, well, at cornerback, I think uh, there's been a bunch of guys that have been um,
3: out <coughs> non-contact, yep. including Devin Moore. Um, I've seen Jaden Hill playing a little nickel. Um, mm. And if you can get, if you can get, um, Marshall Hill and Devin Moore on on the field at the same time. I, I like that cornerback room. Mm-hmm. Um, I have. What about Jalen have,
2: Kimber? Are you putting him in that group as well? Kimber's
3: Kimber's out there. Um, yeah, he's he's been just outside. I think. Um, okay. The um, I'm afraid to say Perkins has been back and yep. forth. So the safeties really work with the nickels and the corners work on their off, off on their own. It's a little more together now since Corey Raymond has the whole room. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I'm going to have, I'm going to have questions about safety and it, I, I like Kamari Wilson as a player. I like Miguel Mitchell. I think maybe even more Shout out to mm-hmm. silk was the first one on that. He was uh, on that wave. Um, but they Austin Armstrong is going to ask a lot out of the safeties to be vocal, to know what 10 other guys are doing on the field every play um and these guys just don't really have any experience so you're kind of in the deep end swimming right now trying to make these calls and checks that you didn't have to make before um and i think it's, it's such an important position for what the defense is going to be um so need to see some uh, rapid improvement
2: OK, uh, what are we I, I know that you mentioned it kind of briefly there, but what are we seeing different out of Corey Raymond now having the entire defensive backfield um, is a lot more cross training? Is it splitting them into to different drills Are doing the same drill just with a group of, you know, 20 instead of a group of, you know, 10 now? What's what's what, what's kind of the temperature there? Um,
3: practice looks the same. Austin um, Armstrong has been over there a lot. Um, working with safeties and cor- mainly safeties, but safeties and corners. Um, he doesn't have a position room, so he kind of floats around during practice. Um, I thought it was weird initially when he didn't have a position group to coach. Um, but I kind of like if you're the coordinator, you can kind of have a, you know, a 30,000 foot view and, and go and see everything during a, during a practice. Um, nothing's really changed there. Uh, they run the same stuff and, and Austin helps out and they've got, 36 graduate assistants that are over there as well.
2: Things you love to hear. Um, Let's see. We had a big recruiting weekend as well uh, here at the university of actually, before we do that, Nick, uh, you guys got the chance uh, to talk to Austin Armstrong uh, for the first time uh, over the weekend on Saturday. Mm -hmm. Uh, Tell us a little bit about that um, conversation. Um,
3: Talks a lot. Talks fast, talks a lot. Um, he was impressive. He, he told us he grew up, so he grew up, uh, around Tuscaloosa family were Alabama fans. Um, and at some point I think early on, he said he realized not tall, not fast, love football, probably can't play it. So he wanted to be a coach. He said he went to a career day in elementary school dressed as Steve Spurrier. Um, that's why he wears the visor, uh, was he just telling stories to, to make fans like him? I don't know. It seemed, it seemed real. Um, he, he, he went, he went into like his coaching tree and, and I think the reason why Billy was comfortable making this hire when he did is that he coached with Patrick, Tony, he coached with, uh, I'm going to forget the guy's last name, Ron something who was a defensive coordinator before Tony, uh, or linebackers coach before Tony. Um, it's going to be the same verbiage, a lot of the same schemes. Um, but I think it'll be more aggressive. Um, I don't know like Todd Grantham engage eight aggressive, mm-hmm. um, but but I expect them to blitz and bring pressure and, and, and try to disguise some things. Um, he mentioned one thing, a lot of defenses are either multiple in the on the back end or multiple on the front end. He said we can be multiple in both. Um it, it, I think it's a it's a lot on his plate. You show up in Practice has already started. You're mm-hmm. 29 years old, and you're coming from the Sun Belt. You're going to have some real, real deal offenses to mm-hmm. to figure out this season. But um, he won the press conference. He was impressive, mm-hmm. really enthusiastic, uh, and the players love him.
2: Yeah, talked uh, about Billy Napier. He was a quality control guy or a GA uh, with Billy Napier and his team. Um, He reached out to Kirby Smart when he was at Georgia, uh, Napier did, uh, and they gave uh, Austin Armstrong an opportunity to be a QC uh, coach with them. Uh, He goes over to Southern Miss, and then uh, he mentioned, uh, this is Austin Armstrong talking, if I was not at Georgia and working at Louisiana, Will Hall, who was the coach, probably couldn't have hired a uh, 27-year-old unexperienced defensive coordinator. Uh, So, sorry. Sorry. A lot of it kind of trails back to him. Sorry, read multiple senses all over the place. So uh, obviously spoke highly of Billy Napier, uh, talked a lot about aggressiveness, uh, talked a lot about trying to work with the players that they have not just try to shove a, uh, a scheme in. Uh, obviously had a lot of things to say that that spoke very highly about the University of Florida and everything. Else. So certainly excited to see his time, but at 29 years old, replaces 30-year-old Patrick Tony leading the Gators defense and the youngest SEC, and I believe the youngest coordinator uh, in Power the Power five. five right now. All right, gentlemen, with that being said, we're getting towards the end of our show here, but the Gators did have a big weekend of recruiting. Let me pull that list up uh, from you, Nick. Uh, the Gators on March 11th featured – uh, 2025 prospect, number one overall offensive tackle, David Sanders. Uh, number two, safety or Xavier Filsame. Number nine, uh, ranked offensive tackle, Fletcher Westfall, who I knew is very high uh, on the Florida Gators board. And I believe he is very high in the University of Florida as well. On 300, safety, Brandon Jacob. On 300, uh, athlete running back, uh, Kanan Daniels. Uh, four-star defensive lineman Deontre Robinson, uh, fast-rising wide receiver Kay Bates, uh, UCF defensive lineman commit uh, Sincere Edwards, 2025 edge Armando Blount, 2025 edge Landon Merritt, 2025 defensive lineman Jalen Wiggins, 2025 running back uh, Aikland Deer, and then Gators commit Miles Graham was on campus. He spoke very highly of his visit. Edge Jamonte Waller was on campus, newly offered running back Micah Welch, three-star offensive tackle Derek Plaz, cornerback Telvin Metcalf, and 2027 quarterback Trent Searburn were all on campus. So Nick Silk, uh, Nick, I know this isn't your bag as much, but Silk, any um, thoughts on recruiting other than Wardell Mack? Uh, top 30 prospect has scheduled his uh, visit to the University of Florida on April 8th as well.
1: Now it's visit season. Love the uh, the the high quality of guys they're getting on campus. But it's that time of the year where they get kids on campus and a lot of offers going out, a lot of visits. Um, I do got a recruiting take. So one recruiting take. I've seen this, just some crystal balls that went in for Will Levy, uh, hmm. four, three-star athlete right now out of uh, – West Palm goes to Newman. He's over there with Jack Daniels, a uh, former gator that was at Dwyer. We should be so lucky to get will, will Levy. That's my take. Like, the people that are complaining, talking about, oh, we're getting three-star predictions, we will be lucky to get the kid. Um, when it's all said and done, he's going to be a top 150 talent. Um, first year running track last year, broke 10.6 in 100 meters, um, just not like having been training now that he's hitting hit his with with football. Ceilings is not it's not a thing for him. Will Levy's going to be a top 150 kid, um, a kid that's going to play very early in college, explosive, could play both sides of the ball. I like him as a DB because um, I'm a DB at heart, but could play receiver as well. I think Florida State and some other programs recruit recruiting him at receiver. I think we're recruiting him at DB. Good offer by Corey Raymond. It'll all pay out and it makes make sense. In a few months, just like Jakeem Jackson – and also Dijon, both of those guys were 87-type, ranked three-star guys this time last year. And as the Evals played themselves out, um, top 150 talents, top 200 around that ballpark. That's the vibes. So you think Diamond in the Rough? Nah, ain't no Diamond in the Rough. He's a real deal right now. You'll see as the camp season play out, he can play. Like kid can straight out play football. They got a couple kids, uh, Josh Philistine on that team, and also Nari is a kid that playing defensive tackle um Tanari that 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 can play ball as well Zach got some killers he getting the best kids from the county over there um now that he's at a private school not a public school you're gonna see Carter Newman in a lot of state championships and go on a run here similar to uh, American Heritage and St. Thomas Aquinas
2: uh Gators do get a a few uh Silk mentioned one Josiah Davis um gets an uh, a prediction and the prediction, a uh, recruiting prediction machine on on three from Corey Bender, 2024 athlete uh, from Nashville, Georgia, uh, unranked right now. But I would imagine that we will start to see that. And I, I would also caution anybody with uh, takes right now on rankings is that you're looking at a lot of juniors, you're looking at a lot of kids that are making that step up, maybe, you know, with their sophomore, junior year film still getting out, still getting evaluated. We just finished the 2023 recruiting cycle so you'd imagine to start to see a lot more evaluations and a lot more time spent on these guys um, Gators are trending a little bit for offensive tackle Jonathan Daniels uh, they're moving up uh, FSU is still right now has the most percentage uh, for him right now but uh, we're starting to see an uptick in him uh, for university of ahead of them
1: commit watch this past weekend and he ain't pop
2: yeah shout out to that shout out to that uh, Anthony Carey, running back, uh, new leader for Florida in the RPM. Um, and then Joseph Ionata, who's a three-star uh, interior offensive lineman. Uh, and then Deontre Robinson, the defensive lineman, highly ranked four-star. Uh, so we're just starting to get into that time uh, where we're going to start to see a lot of change in the rankings and everything else, but definitely stay tuned as we will update the best we can on recruiting. All right, guys, let's get into our final part of the show. But before we do that, I want to implore you guys to go check out the Gatorverse.io. Again, Gatorverse.io. A few updates. If you are uh, part of the Locker Mania special that they have, so if the men's basketball team wins the NIT, buyers of their collectible will get their money back. Players will still Keep all of their money, so go check them out, gatorverse.io. Invest in the basketball team and their NIT run. I will cover that here in a second. Uh, the gymnastics clinic is still uh ripping and roaring for March 25th. Did by we sell any cards? We, yeah, did- we got
1: to get these 20 cards. So, we got cards? Cards?
2: the message from Brian Klatsky. Uh, said gymnastics are selling like hotcakes.
3: Love that. So Can't wait. Yeah. Can't easy. wait
2: for your floor routine. So,
3: no if rem-
2: remember, if we find no, yeah. 20, uh, I will do the floor routine. Uh, and then the TBT new player uh, commitment announcement will come uh, here shortly. So, stay tuned again. Gatorverse.io. Uh, it helps the players put money directly in their pockets through. And Nick, it's your time to shine, my friend. Baseball rips and roars this weekend uh, and during the week. Gators go five and zero. Give us the update.
3: Uh, yep. Yeah, uh, not a good Sienna team. A uh, bunch of guys from upstate New York uh, don't even get to play fall ball because it's snowing. Um, so uh, Florida wins in the midweek. Gets two. Josh Rivera had a nine RBI game uh, with a grand slam. That's a record, uh, right? I don't know. That, no, it's not a record. J.J. Schwartz had the – I forget mm. the – but he had a four-home run game against Stetson. I think he had nine home runs in that. Um, Maybe tied. Florida struggled a little bit Friday, um, squeaking out a 3-2 win. Um, I think Kevin O'Sullivan put the fear of God in them the next day because they, they showed up and got two run rules uh, Saturday and Sunday. Um, it, this is all – this whole month has just been leading up to this week. You get Alabama Thursday, Friday, Saturday, uh, the start of SEC play. Alabama was rolling, and I think they hosted Columbia, lost two of three to Columbia uh, going into the weekend undefeated. So uh, Alabama comes in this week. Florida just has one midweek game, uh, UNF on Tuesday. And uh, to sch- note the schedule change, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, not Friday, Saturday, Sunday.
2: Schedule change noted.
3: Also, it's in, Saturday, so they might do a doubleheader Friday.
2: Oh, perfect! Well, note note the change, listeners. Uh, in other Gator sports news, uh, we've mentioned it: the Gators basketball program is in the NIT. They're number four seed. They're hosting number seven UCF on Wednesday at seven PM. Uh, the Gators women's team was selected uh, for the women's NIT. Uh, this is their third third straight postseason performance, uh, ninth overall time in the women's NIT. Uh, it's the first time that they've qualified for three consecutive postseason tournaments since they did it from 2008 to 2014. Uh, Seeding will be announced later today on Monday. Gymnastics closed the regular season uh, with a road high of 198.175 to win the Texas Women's University quad. Uh, softball goes 5 and 1 on the week, including Lexi Delbray getting her first career no hitter against Rutgers. Uh, men's golfer Yushin Lin was named to the spring. Haskins Award list on Friday, which is considered the most prestigious award for collegiate golf, uh, and presented annually to the most outstanding male golfer. Uh, three golfers right now uh, that play at the University of Florida are golfing. The University of Florida are ranked in the top 16 of the PGA Tour's tops top men's golfers. And then finally, uh, track and field: Jasmine Moore absolutely destroys the competition. Um, gets. Let's see, two national titles at the NCAA Indoor. Uh, She jumped 15.12 meters on the um, jump. Is this triple jump? Uh, Indoor long jump. Sorry, (laughs) 15.12 meters on the indoor long jump. Sorry. Uh, She's won 12 SEC and NCAA horizontal jump titles. As a triple jump, Daniel,
1: they have quite a conundrum here. Here, there, no,
2: yeah. it says it says that the final jump earned more second national title in as many days and gave her back to back indoor long jump titles. So maybe she got the other <laughs> long jump title. Maybe you're right, Nick. That's what I get for reading an article live on air. Uh, Talitha Diggs. Uh, medaled on her second day, earning a bronze for her performance in the women's 400, uh, 50.49. Alita van finished fourth in women's shot put. Layla Owens, Jayla Hollis, Vanessa Watson, and Talitha Digg finished sixth, um, in the four by four. Um, and the women finished third overall on the 2023 NCAA Indoor Championships. Uh, pj pj austin um won bronze in the 60 meters with a time of 6.56 uh ryan willie finished in second uh, running a 44.93 in the 400 meters and then robert gregory came in third in the 200 meter running a 20.22 the fastest indoor 200 meters in school history the men also finished third and they will begin their outdoor season on march 23rd and 24th in tallahassee at the fsu relays with that being said i think that leads us to the end of the show silk i know it's your song of the week uh any final thoughts on anything going on in gator nation i don't have any final thoughts final thoughts. Good show, Jason Oda. Good vibes. Great man.
1: conversation. Positivity. Um, That's my final thoughts, man. It's off perfect. season. Enjoy it. You know, should Enjoy. we should get some loving the practice clips? Love all the media and, and stuff that we're getting. Uh somebody said something about the view. Somebody on the moon. Lagway on the moon. What's the thing?
2: Graham, Miles Graham. Miles, Miles Graham, Graham was on the moon.
1: moon. Shout out to Miles Graham. Shout out to the VU folks. I need to get on the VU.
2: Yeah, let's get you. Let's get a stadium in in Gale View in each of our, uh, each of Thank our you. respective homes. Perfect. Well, so you got song of the week. What do you got for us? What
1: do I have? I'm just gonna go with what I've been listening to lately, man. Let me get uh, a little Drizzy. Nah, Drake be shutting us down. Like, they, they, yeah, they, yeah, yeah, they, yeah. No, no. Can't go Drake. Um, let's go some R&B. She loves me, Toby. Good R&B vibes love.
2: If you are watching us on YouTube, please hit that like and that subscribe button. That really helps. If you are listening to us on the podcast, please go rate and review us. That helps with all the algorithms as we continue to try to continue to grow this podcast. Remember our sponsors, Alan Horn, the Gatorverse.io, just Gatorverse.io, Alumni Hall and Home Field Apparel. And we will see you guys Yo, real
1: quick, real yeah. quick. Go check the Jervon Dexter. Where we interview oh. him on Friday, a solo interview. Absolutely dope. If you if you're listening right now live, or you listen to the recorded version, exit out. Go on YouTube, whatever you listen to on, and check that Jervon Dexter interview out. Very good stuff.
2: Yeah, great conversation. Uh, he's climbing up the draft uh, boards right now, uh, so we're excited to see Jervon. But really, uh, just a, a very good conversation. Uh, really shed a lot a light into his recruiting, his time at UF, and then what the experience is like at the combine and everything else. So really enjoyed that interview. Go check that out. And with that, we'll see you guys at the same corner and same time next week. Turn off the TV, let me.
0: Baby, ride after ride after ride after ride after ride. Out the, ride after ride after ride after ride after round Watch your body move when I'm touching you. Feel like Francis Ford wanna make a move. Like a quarterback who will run to you. Be always out of pocket, but I love it. Ooh, I'm a rocky man running out of fuel. If I do, at least we making love on the moon. I'ma turn you out when we get into me. Each and every moment we're running Ooh. I speak your body language I know just what you playing You taught me love and patience I'm learning as we play it. Turn out the team. Baby. Ride at the after, ride 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 you ride after, ride after, ride after, ride after, ride after, ride sticker now get down to the floor, like a sticker. I don't need too much, just your heart and your trust. Like I wanna tip off, you was mine from the jump. That smile you don't wear enough. I'm a lover, not a fighter, but tonight I'm right here on the cusp. I speak your body language. I know just what you're thinking. You thinkin'. taught me love and patience I'm learning as we take it. Ooh, 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 right out the ride out the ride out the ride out the round Ride out the ride out the ride out the ride right out right the round I've been cold, coming close You feel home, we've seen both no sides of up and down I'll be, yours, I'll be home. I'll be the one to rise and love you up and down.